Good afternoon, folks. Good afternoon. This is the Intentional Talk Radio Network, and we are bringing you a brand new show this afternoon. We will be talking about smart money moves. This is going to be a regular right here on Intentional Talk Radio. So every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, you want to be with us because we're going to be talking about smart money moves. We're going to be talking about savings, insurance, uh, fixing your gap between who's got wealth and who doesn't. We will be touching on all kinds of things. And I believe she might even touch on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. So you want to be right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network to hear what she's got to say. So I'm not going to keep talking because you know I can do that. I'm going to introduce our wonderful host this afternoon, who is none other than Ms. Helena J. Connolly. We are so glad to have her here today to talk about smart money moves. So remember, every Wednesday at four o'clock, right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. Is it every Wednesday or is it every other Wednesday, every second and fourth Wednesday? Second and fourth Wednesday, yes. Every second and fourth Wednesday, but that's okay because we're going to get to the point where we got to hear her smart money moves every Wednesday. So it's that important. So you do want to be right here every every second and fourth Wednesday, folks, for smart money moves with Helena. Helena, you've got the floor or the mic. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Colette. I am super excited to join you guys here on Intentional Talk Radio Network. Um, As I said to you earlier, I am definitely nervous, even though speaking is what I love to do. So thank you for giving me all the encouragement and the love and the opportunity to just bring you this show. Um, Just want to start off with, you know, saying hi to all the listeners out there, you guys, I know I have a lot of friends and family on to support me today. So thank you. Um, but just want to give you guys a little bit of background about who I am and, you know, how I came to, to do what I do now, which this, which is this, and is very important to me. But um, I am a teacher by trade. Um, I spent many of years, almost 20 plus now in the education world. So um, I've been a math teacher for uh, college and high school. Um, for it. I was about 13 of those years. And one of the things that I realized um, probably 10 years ago is that we don't teach money. And once I realized that, I knew that I had to pivot um, what I was doing in the education world to be able to start addressing that. Um, and like many of us, it's usually when something bad happens, some sort of you know tragedy strikes that we you know make changes to what it is that we're doing. And for me, uh, working with Los Angeles Unified at the time, they gave me a $12,000 pay cut. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> Three months after I bought a home, they How's gave that look? me. <laughs> uh-huh. We got paid once a month. So that was $1,000 out of my pay per month. Um, and I was not prepared, not at all. It really, really shook me to my car, core because I just come from, you know, having an apartment to being excited to purchase a house, which, you know, most of us knows, and we talked about this in one of the episodes, um, it's expensive to, you know, own your home and, you know, uh, raise people around you and, you know, get those things done. So I was not prepared um, with one of the things that I needed, which we'll talk about an emergency fund. Um, So 10 years ago, it kind of shook me to my core and I became a little bit more open to listen to friends and family or, you know, different people want to talk to you about your finances and give you education and help you plan and all of that stuff. So um, I was finally open. (laughs) 
And I'm so grateful that I was because um, at that, I actually started 10 years in this business last month. Um, and going to just a seminar, just talking to different people, um, starting to engage in money conversations, which is definitely not something that I was doing um, prior to that. I decided to, you know, join the industry, the financial services industry. And over these last 10 years, I've realized that, you know, one of my gifts and favorite things to do, I always knew it was education, but it became, I became really passionate about impacting other people's lives in the financial arena, because it really doesn't matter, you know, how well educated so many of us are, you know, I have two degrees, two math degrees, a BA and a master's, um, but it, it did not prepare me for personal finance. And so I've been over the last 10 years networking with so many people, you know, working with so many mentors, growing my business, taking, you know, a really hard look at myself um, as I prepare to, you know, help as many people as possible and speak to so many people. Um, just this past weekend, actually, because um, of course my start came with the youth, um, I was speaking to, it was about maybe about 10 or 15, um, 13 to 17 year olds. And it had been a while since I had been around the youth, but just really having an engaging conversation with them for almost an hour um, about finances and realizing that I know I sit down with adults and, you know, business owners and families every day, all day, but it really has to go back to them. It has to go back to, you know, being able to understand things that they should even look for, um, you know, books that they should read, ways that they should educate themselves. Um, so that's just, you know, that's that's what I do. I love it. I'm a licensed life insurance agent. I will definitely spend some good amount of time. Actually, next month, September is Life Insurance Awareness Month. So I'll give you a lot of good information um, um, during that time. But it's interesting uh, when you and I met Coletta um, a while while back, I always had a, um, a goal to actually create a school with curriculum um, in which I'd be able to bring in different financial experts to, you know, work on what it is that they're good at, because I'm really good at what I'm good at, <laughs> but I don't know everything. So when you mentioned cryptocurrency, I think that's something that people should use as a part of their portfolio, or at least understand how it works. I don't do it. I'm not going to teach you. I'm not going to train you, but I want to bring in the experts for that. You know, I need people to understand how to leverage, you know, real estate. I have a lot of people. I, I sit on um, uh, Young Realtors Division of National Association of Real Estate Brokers um, because I realize that we don't understand a lot of us how to truly utilize the home ownership. you know, whether it's creating the generational wealth, whether it's, you know, transferring uh, wealth that way or is creating a, a multiple stream of income. So I'll be bringing a lot of my, my colleagues there and then, you know, understanding um, just different ways to leverage your money, ways to save, um, ways to invest, uh, definitely how to utilize insurance to be, you know, a true transfer of wealth. Um, I'll tell you one of the things that I, I read about maybe Maybe about the top of the year, um, and a lot of people are speaking about it now. I see it on so many different platforms, but it was a um, an article. Uh, who was it by? It was oh, it was in the Black Enterprise as mm -hmm. well as um, on Forbes in Forbes magazine, oh, yes. and they pretty much talked about the exact same thing. I actually heard it on your show when I was tuning in. Uh, it was, I think it was last week, um, but it talks about the median. Um, wealth, the median net worth mm -hmm. is uh, for our people, black and brown people will be at zero by 2053. That to me 
really stopped me dead in my tracks um, because I realized that if we don't do something actively to change the way that we do money, we don't begin to make smart money moves, we will be a part of that, right? And for those who may remember or don't remember, media means half the people. That means half of us will have a net worth of zero. And what is the purpose of working as hard as we're working if we're not um, able to make sure that that happens? So that, go ahead. I'm thinking about what you just said, and we keep referring to that. We continue to refer to that. But I hope your listeners are being educated, and I believe that they are. But one of the things that we need to break through with is why Black people are so afraid of money. Why are Black people afraid of money? They're afraid to keep it in their hands. They don't want to know how to save it. They don't want to look at it as creating wealth. They don't want to look at it as anything other than something that gets here and it's gone tonight. It used to be that the dollar went around at least one time in the Black community. It no longer goes around one time. It only stays in the Black community six to seven hours. Wow. Six to seven hours. So that was in that report by Forbes. That was in that report by Forbes, also in Black Enterprise. But one of the things that we have to address is the fear that Black people have when it comes to finances, economics, financial institutions, why Black folks are literally afraid of money. That's what it is. It's a fear of money. It's so interesting that you say that because we also, on the other hand, are one of the largest consumer groups. So we know how to do something with money, <laughs> right? We, we know how to earn it. Um, we know how to spend it. But like you said, how do we keep it you know, circulating amongst us? How do we save it? How do we invest it? What are our options? Um, when I first sat down and started paying attention to my finances, I realized that I didn't even know, I would say, half of the options that existed out there for me to be able to put my money, for me to, you know, find places for my money to grow without me having to do anything. Make it and make it grow. And so um, I think that's a very, very huge problem and why financial literacy has become such a a, a big mission for me, Uh, making sure that people are educated so at least they can begin to make more informed decisions. Because there's a lot of information out there, but like you said, there's also a lot of distrust amongst the people and the institutions that, you know, give this information for those, you know, that do. And it was probably, I don't know, last year or sometime, I happened to be watching an episode of uh, the TV show American Greed. Now, I've been in this industry, like I said, started my 10th year, and I, I don't understand or I had not understood at that time why so many people were so distrust, you know, distrusting in people because I just wasn't in general. And then when I started watching a couple of those episodes, I'm like, this is why. Like there were so many people over the years that uh, just one reason, trust, I know there's a whole lot more for our people in particular, but there's a whole lot of people that were taken advantage of financially. 
and, you know, who are you and what are your credentials and, you know, what backing do you have? I remember one of the first people that, you know, I sat down with in my family um, to give them this information. And I, you know, brought in uh, uh, someone who was helping me to, to show the information. And she was like, who is that? What are their credentials? Just because you know them and you like them. <laughs> now, this is my aunt who I'm very, very close to and trust everything about me, which is why I was in her house. But she was like, I don't know him. It sounds good. And I'm like, yeah, there, there is a huge, it didn't matter. And he had, I think at that time, probably 15, 20 years of experience. But there is, there's definitely um, a big issue and a fear around um, money. And so that actually leads me to one of the questions that I, I have prepared for the audience um, today is, I, I want to know from you guys and just think about it for yourselves that are just listening in, you know, what was two questions? What was your first memory of money? And then also, what was uh, what's your relationship with money? I heard that when I was doing some networking a few years back, and I was like, I didn't even think about it as a relationship. Uh, but it really is. It, you know, there's some in, there's some out, there's some all in between. Um, but I, I like to ask you, Colette, you know, what is what is your first memory of money? You know what? As you ask that question, I'm actually trying to think about you, you know what I'm quite a few years older than you so I do remember my getting a dollar for lunch when I was in high school mm -hmm. but we bought lunch and it was a fabulous lunch oh my god was that chicken and gravy and, and mashed potatoes good 35 cents. Our lunch was 35 cents. Wow. 35 cents. So when my dad came home from a trip and he doled out $4, that $4 was like, oh my God, we had thought we had gone and hit the lottery. Yeah. We got a dollar. That dollar could last us two weeks. If we did it right, that dollar would last us two weeks because lunch was 35 cents. And sometimes we'd eat lunch. Sometimes we wouldn't. Sometimes my mother would give us something. We'd take it and we, or we'd mess around at lunchtime and we wouldn't go through the line in the cafeteria. And back then there were no free lunches. Mm -hmm. Lunch was not a big deal. Either we got it for 35 cents or we didn't. We didn't have to apply for it. Mm -hmm. So then I graduated and went on to college. And in college, it was something very different. Okay. So my relationship with money as I, as I reflect back, that dollar was a big thing. That dollar was a big thing back in the 60s. That wow. getting a dollar for lunch was a big thing. And not only did we pay 35 cents for lunch, and it was a full lunch. It was a cooked lunch on the campus. It was cooked. I can't yes, even imagine. It was, 35, yeah, it was cents. 35 cents. But hold on to your hat and everything else. We bought gas for 20 cents, 21 cents a gallon, 22 cents a gallon. And I'll never forget, my father had a friend who owned a mobile gas station down on Fair Oaks and Woodbury okay. in okay. Altadena, yes, Fair Oaks and Woodbury. And my father had a commercial account with this guy. 
Well, we started driving. Well, when my dad was out of town, we'd go down there and get gas in all the cars. Well, one day my dad got home and he wanted to go satisfy his bill at the gas station, at the service station. He went down there and that man told him it was going to be $22. He liked to hit the ceiling. I take that back. He liked to hit the moon. He was hotter than fish grease. Wow. $20 was his, $22 was his bill. He thought he was going to go pay $2. His bill was $22 and he was pissed the frick off. (laughs) He still hasn't come down. $22. And he got home and we all got it because nobody wanted to admit that they'd been down there to the mobile gas station getting gas. And it cost me, when I bought my car, my car, I bought my car myself when I believe I was 17 or 18 and I bought my own car. I had a Toyota Corona a Toyota Corona. And me and a friend of mine, Gerald Phillips, we had the two Coronas wow. in, in Altadena. And my, my car note was $64 a month. And I paid that bill by myself. It was $64 a month, 64. And I'm pissed off today when I have to uh, pay Colette. Of the month. Yes. Well, don't forget to tell her that she didn't know how to drive a stick and could hardly get the uh, car home. <laughs> yes, I didn't know how to drive a stick. <laughs> but I, I worked at Union Oil, and my first Union Oil was Union 76. Uh-huh. And I got off at 3rd Street. And right now today, the building downtown L.A., where I'm based out of, uh-huh. Is right there. The next building is the movie studio. That's where I work. Well, right there at the third street exit, I couldn't get off the hill because <laughs> I couldn't drive a stick. I burned a clutch out. Yes, one or two I burned a clutch out. I couldn't get off that hill. I got out. I walked around the car. I was trying to figure out how to push it up. I couldn't get out. So finally, I finally figured how to move that car away from that light and off the freeway. I was trying to exit the freeway. But my car note was $64 a month, $64 a month, 64. So you know why I'm pissed off today when I have to pay $500 a month for a car note. And you're lucky in that. Right. $64 a month. Now here, gas is $287. The other day, Monday, it was $267. Okay. Mine was $429. I feel like yesterday. Girl, stop. 429 for what was it 89 and with the the discount are yes. you serious yes absolutely That's crazy see and it was 62 dollars to fill up with a quart of gas already in it what yes so and I think and, right. Okay. right and see for me my relationship with money starts it started 55 years ago Mm-hmm. So fast forward to where we are now, it's still like, are you serious? Really? Yeah. It's and and we deal with inflation, we deal with all of the things that go along with ev- evolution and things yeah. changing and moving and being prosperous. When I bought my first house, we had a house built in San Dimas, and I'll never forget. My husband said, Don't tell anybody. 
don't tell anybody because we had the house built. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a hundred thousand dollars. Don't tell anybody. It was in 1978. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell nobody. We can't tell anybody. We paid hundred thousand. Don't tell anybody. It was no big deal to me. Yeah. It was no big deal. But the relationship that I had with money started 55 years ago. And it became the kind of relationship that I thought I could rely on. Since then, things changed up and down, up and down. Things have fluctuated. And now I'm a senior citizen. And the need for a savings account, the need for retirement, the need to have the proper insurance, the need to have the proper insurance, the need to have all of these things in place with my granddaughter, who is nine years old, soon to be 10. And she tells everybody she's a teenly, <laughs> half teen and half kid. She has to have a relationship with money. So I give her an allowance. Mm-hmm. I tell her she has to save it. Mm-hmm. I want her to have an account at a credit union. I want her to have a savings account. There are all of these things that are so important because if she goes through life and does not have the things that are necessary as an adult, she's going to look back and ask the question, why didn't anyone tell me? Yes. Somebody should have said something. And, and in a way, I feel sort of kind of like that, but at, at my age, I can't. I have to double time to catch up. I have to do double, triple time to catch up because the way things were, it is not the way things are today. Even living in San Dimas, in in the lived in San Dimas, we had another house in uh, Mountain Meadows Estates, mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily take money for granted, but I took money for granted. Yeah, I took it all for granted. We were business owners doing well. And I took money for granted and I should not have. And I do kick myself. I kick myself because my my former husband had no relationship with money, none at all. We'd leave the shop on a Friday. I, as we did pay, as I did payroll, I would say, what do you want for the weekend? He'd say, Oh, I don't know. Just get a thousand dollars. We might want to do something. And I would go, a thousand dollars just for we, for we might want to do something, and yeah. that's called blowing it. That means you're typically going to spend it if you take yes, it out. That's called blowing it. Our favorite place to go was South Coast Plaza to make all those white folks rich. Okay. Next favorite place to go was Bristol Farms in South Pasadena. We made white folks rich because we spent the money, didn't save. It. And I'll never forget, I was in my kitchen and I said to him, we need to start putting money away because Kiki's going to be going to college pretty soon. What? She's only in eighth grade. What? It comes yeah. like that. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. And he, oh, we don't have to do that. We don't. Really? Well, guess what? Look at, she's going to be 43 in a minute. Okay. That was yesterday. Yes. But he did not think that it was necessary to plan ahead. It was not necessary to put those things away. It wasn't necessary to be proactive. And right now I am very, 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 very strong on being proactive in every aspect of your life. And financial fitness is extremely important 
it's an, as important as your health. It I is totally as agree. important as your health. Financial fitness is as important because if you're not financially fit, there are your stressors. That's stress. Everybody has problems, but financial problems on top of problems, yes. is it's deadly. It is a stress that yes. it's just is hard to overcome. And yes, it it's, is. it's so interesting that you, you you speak so much about inflation, because I think that is one of the principles of money. One of the smart money moves that people don't pay attention to outpacing inflation. And just, you know, most of the words that we hear, we know the word, but we don't implement it as a principle, right? And so <clears throat> I don't know what I was listening to recently, but they were saying that, you know, inflation, which we talked about, I've talked about for years, was about 3% nationwide was the average. And just as of June 30th of this year, it's 5.4%. And we look around us and I, it's, it's so funny to hear you talk about, you know, how much everything costs, because I always, always, always ask people when they're thinking about their savings, are you keeping up with inflation? Because regardless if your mortgage gets paid off, your car gets paid off, your kids are now grown, you still have to buy gas. You still have to bring the groceries home. You still are going to want to get a hot meal, right? So those things go up every single year. And when I look back at 9-11, which we're coming up on a 20-year anniversary of that, gas was 87 cents. 87 cents per gallon in uh, 2001. And it was 87 cents? I don't remember. It was the lowest number that I remember, that I actually can remember. And whenever I explain to people about how the market's been performing, it was during that time, 2001, where we had a huge drop. It already started at the, you know, 2000 with the whole Y2K, right? We're not going to be able to put 2000 in a computer. So it started to drop at that point. I thought it was so funny, but it started to drop at that point in time. But when you really truly look at it, people do not pay attention to what inflation is, the fact that it costs more. And I'm in Southern California. Because they don't know. 0.4%. Right. Right. We're way higher than that. And if you're not even paying attention to your money, one, if you're not even saving, but then if you're not paying attention to what you're earning on that saving, if you're not paying attention to the type of interest you're getting, compound interest is what we should be going for, right? Especially if we're talking about long-term, think about that. You got your home for $100,000. I think my parents was half of that, Mm -hmm. right? In the mid 70s. And the home is worth almost $900,000 now. Yes. Yeah. So you think about those things, but we don't pay attention to them enough to slow down. So I, I I was writing down some of the things you were saying when you said financial fitness. It really is that. We go to the doctor or maybe pre-COVID, we went to the doctor annually, or at least, you know, I recommend that to people. Why? Because things could be happening internally. Things could be happening we, we're not paying attention to, right? Same thing with your money. You have to do a financial checkup minimally once a year. And I encourage people, one of the most important smart money moves that I tell people is you have to have crystal clear financial goals. And with every day in life, those goals are probably changing. So just because you do your annual financial check 
back up. What are you doing on a monthly basis? What are you doing on a daily basis? What are you doing, you know, biannually, quarterly? What are you doing to stay on top of that? Because it is a financial fitness. It absolutely is. And it's very easy for you to get out of shape when it comes to your finances. You know, you purchase something big and then you just wiped out a lot of your savings. Well, you still have to get back up to what it is that you need to save. But when we go back and look at inflation, it is something that sends people back to work after they retire. Because the amount of money that I see so many people save, and I've sat down with thousands of people over the last 10 years, it's not enough to keep up with the cost of their goods and services. Right, right, right. And, and that's there a are a lot, yeah, and there are a lot of people in my arena, Mm -hmm. who are either retiring or they're looking to retire very soon. Some people in the last, I want to say maybe 10 years, I know a lot of people retired from LAUSD specifically and said, well, I can make more money retired. So I'm just going to retire. One of the things, one of the things that took place was that people could retire and they could go back and do consultant work. Yes. And that was fine for them. They could still make more money retired yes. and also have a second income. But what happens with retiring in that way, we all retire. We find that we can go back and do consultant work or we can do something else. When you begin to collect retirement or social security, the government is going to get you. The government is going to get you. And I have friends who dispute that. Yes. Because what they do in California is say that you can't double dip. Windfall provision. That's right. Cannot double dip. Windfall provision. Windfall provision. And uh, Reagan did that. Mm -hmm. Reagan did that. And Reagan said, if you get it from here, you ain't going to get it from there. I don't care where you put it. You ain't going to get both. Yes. So I have friends who have argued with me and I have said, have at it, do it the way you want. Maybe Reagan was just talking about me, but I know the state of California says Correct. you can't double dip. You cannot Correct. have a windfall. They don't want you to make enough money. Okay. So that's, another problem. that's <laughs> right. You can't dip here and you can't dip there. You're yeah. going to have to determine which dip you're going to get because it ain't going to be both. So yeah. They don't believe it. Yeah, they don't believe it. They don't believe it and have argued with me and have said, I went to the meeting. I don't care where you went. Okay, good. You I just bust out with the paperwork. I keep it in I keep it in my toolkit. Yes. And I've yes. had to pull it out several times. I had a yes, client. Because people 70, don't believe it. They don't believe it. She was 71. She was 70 plus. And she was still working for Los Angeles Unified, which is where a lot of my clientele initially started off at. And when I, she was explaining to me, she had understood it or had heard it before, wasn't sure if it was true, but her social security, I think was going to drop from 2,500 a month to 395 as soon yes, as she activated right. her pension. That's right. And, and see the district, like, huh? that's right. And the district has retirement. Yes. So you can't get everything that you think you can. You may have worked in private industry yes. for 25 years. And then you went to the district and you worked there for 25 years. You should have, you got money in both places. Reagan said, great. Thank you for being with us. We really appreciate your service. So see ya. 
you can't get both. You cannot get both. Yeah. So I had social security, which is that much. Mm-hmm. And I had my former husband's retirement. Mm-hmm. Well, they took, they took one of them. They yeah. took, and I said, wait a minute. And the, I said, you get to choose which one you want, yeah. but they're not giving up. Yes, that's right. But the yes. only thing, the only thing that saved me now, I hope you know this. The only thing that saved me was that his retirement is in his name. It wasn't mine. And I got 29% of his retirement. I should have gotten 50%, but I got 29%. So I had to send a letter from state teachers retirement system Mm -hmm. to social security stating that it was his retirement that I'm entitled to. Yes. So that was the only way they gave it back to me. And I mean, they messed me up. And when I tried to tell my folks in Mm -hmm. LA Unified who know everything, yes, (laughs) they argued with me and I said, Okay, they didn't have that for me. But they don't know. They they do not they know. That. And That's right. I try to send so many people, like I said, from my core is education. And people need to understand a lot of the things that are going to hit them up because Thank retirement you. is one of the biggest things that I speak about. Yes. Because it's something that you have to plan for as early as possible. And so today at nine years old, she's gonna start today <laughs> it's, it's 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 sad but it's very it is, true that's right and absolutely I, I tell people <clears throat> when it comes to savings right here's here's another one of the the smart money moves that I talk about when it comes to compound interest there are ways to find out I'm a numbers person right I'm a double math major I've taught math forever that is what I said I, there's ways to figure out exactly how much you need to have at every decade in your life in order to retire the way that you want. And people don't even know how to check in on that. They don't know what that number is. They don't know where they should yeah. be at 50, at 40, at, like you said, your baby's mine, right? My nephew is one and a half. So I have to make sure, right, alongside his parents, that we are starting as young as possible. Why? Because I don't want him to have to make up everything. My niece is 16. I have so many nieces, nephews. I don't want them to have to figure it out when they're 30, when I first finally sat down, 40 or anything else. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame because our, our culturally, our culture, is not, not only are we not physically fit, we're not financially fit, and we don't think about it until yes. later when we're forced yes. to think about it. Yes. And we we don't think it's necessary because we feel like, one, we're going to catch up. Two, we're doing what everybody else does. Three, it ain't no big thing. We'll, yes. we'll get through it when, you know, we'll get through it. My daughters, and it gets on my nerves, I know prices everywhere. I know prices everywhere. And I mean, I can rattle off some prices. I think I'm going to sound more like your daughter on this one. (laughs) Yes, I can rattle off some prices. Okay. So funny thing, I I got a gift card because uh, some food went bad in a bad refrigerator. So Mm -hmm. I told them this is the stuff that went bad and uh, I wanted them to replace it. So management said they were going to replace it. 
So she said she was thinking about giving me a $50 gift card. I said, okay. So I said, do you want me to put all of the prices on the sheet that I gave you? And she says, oh, no, that I said, well, I can't. She says, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not necessary. I could give her every price. When it comes to my daughters, I ask them, what do you pay for gas? I don't know. I just buy gas. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I just pull up to the pump and buy gas. You don't know how much the gas is? No, the only reason I know, Colette, the only reason (laughs) is because it's extremely high right now. (laughs) And so I'm irritated with it. I'm like, when did we jump? To 420, 444, whatever. When did we jump? That's the only reason I pay attention because my mom and I, she's a baby boomer, we have this conversation all the time because pre COVID, she was the most amazing person that did all my grocery shopping. So she could tell you every single thing. I had no clue. During COVID, I became the family grocery shopper. So I have to learn everything. I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is what we're paying for stuff. Yes. I so So you didn't do it you didn't do that I did not I say there it's it's very clear one of the things that I teach is the differences in the generations and you know between the seniors to the baby boomers to the gen x millennials z and then zenials like it is so different how they treat money and that is why I always start with that question you know what is your first memory for me my mom was a small business owner both of my parents you know made really good money when I say really good money six-figure income right and this was I was I was born in 1981 I just turned 40 and for both of them they were in the garment industry but my mom did it as a business owner and I remember I was eight years old and she offered me an opportunity, probably because I asked for something, that she made it clear, your father and I will make sure you have everything that you need, but that if there's anything you want, you have to work for it. And I was blessed that she had a business that I could start working with, okay? No child labor laws were t- taking advantage of it <laughs> that time, right? Right. But- She allowed me the opportunity to become a hard worker to earn what I wanted. And it was very, very important for me to realize that there was nothing off limits for me. So that viewpoint that I had very early on was important to me. Now, I won't say it had anything to do with being a small business owner because we didn't have that conversation. I didn't even think about entrepreneurship until I took the pay cut from the district, right? But <laughs> there was I, I, no clue. People ask me all the time. I had no clue. Did, brain didn't even go toward entrepreneurship and my mom had been doing it for 20 plus years. But one of the things that I realized when I began teaching in LAUSD and I was at Crenshaw High School my first several years was, mm-hmm, I, I remember I told you that. Yes, I was. I, I knew you a long time ago and did not even know we knew each other. You're but right, you're right. I was at Crenshaw High. I taught math and then I became the testing coordinator. Right. And so what I realized is that so many of the youth don't even see the opportunity. Now a lot more because everything is, you know, social media and everything is right there on their phone. They get to it in 2.2 seconds. But at that time, time, that was back in 2002, 2003, you know, they didn't think about the fact that they could actually get whatever it is that they wanted by working hard. And so I've always been blessed in the sense that that was the, that was the first memory. You want something legally and morally, you can work for it. And there's nothing that's going to stop you from that. And that was important to me. And then I made sure to teach my students that because they're so worried about how to get to school. 
you know, how to deal with all of life happening before they got to school that, you know, now it's time to worry about education and, you know, making yourself a better human. And now I'm learning about money and, you know, all the different things. So that memory to me was so very valuable. And I tell my parents all the time how blessed I am that I was even taught that, right? Um, Another thing that I share with people when it comes to, you know, money is that you have to keep something. Whatever that number is, you have to keep something. You can't give away every single thing that you earn. And so many people, you know, living check to check or under the check, I ask all of my clients, I'm like, at the end of the month, (laughs) do you have more money or do you have more month? And there's so many people that do not even have an opportunity to save. And even those folks, I encourage everybody I sit down with to save first. So what do you think is going to happen in California when you talk about money and saving and what people really need to do. We had someone else on the show mm-hmm. and uh, she's an attorney and she mm-hmm. is really, really strong on how people need to save and why they need insurance policies and how that helps them and how that helps to create generational wealth and, mm-hmm. and how they save all of these, these components and elements to creating generational wealth. Mm -hmm. But one of my questions to her was, how do you teach people something that they can't even fathom? They can't fathom money. They cannot fathom economic or financial fitness. I had a kid at Crenshaw High School. This girl told me she was not going to open an account at the bank. Yes. They're on the first floor. She was not going to open an account because she and her mama go to the Kona store. Yep. And me, William, I, I don't need no account, me, William. I, I mean, my mama, we go to the, we go to the Kona store. The guy only charges a, 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 a 1% and a half. I don't need no account, me, William. I couldn't believe it. She and her mother go to the Kona liquor store mm-hmm. to cash their checks. Mm-hmm. No doubt their checks are coming from an institution, mm-hmm. but why would they think that that was okay? And that is what generations have done. That's the relationship that they have with money. Yes. It wasn't that they they didn't know. It was that for them, that was not for them. They didn't need an account because as far as they were concerned, all they needed to do was go to the liquor store and, and the guy at the liquor store will cash their check. He's only going to charge them uh, a percent and a half. And my question to her was, well, why would you give him your money? Well, and that ain't no big thing. So the relationship that we do not have with money is so far reaching. How do you get them back? And how do you introduce creating wealth, generational wealth? How do you change the mindset and the way of thinking? Because we are, we are so deep into it. I don't see how we can get out. I think one of the the first things that I have to say, and I, I say this in every field that I'm in, I can't help everybody. That's first and foremost. Some people yes. do not want to be helped. Right. And 
I just can't, right? Um, but I definitely think that financial literacy needs to be taught much earlier because it's like you just said, the programming is already in place. Yes, it it's is. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's there and it's set. And with any aspect of life, you really have to, you know, people try to give you different things that you should do, different actions that you should take, but it's before then, right? It is exactly like you said, what is your mentality around that action, right? If we're talking about money, what were you programmed to understand about money? Money doesn't grow on trees. Money, like my mom said, you can have anything you want. You just have to work for it, right? Now, one thing that I went back and added to that is, or learn how to make it work for you, <laughs> right? But it was important to, you know, I always try to get people to, whether it's a one-on-one appointment, whether it's a, you know, a, a large engagement, what it doesn't, what is your thinking around money? Because that is what has to be broken down. It is your mindset. Because I can teach you whatever it is and I can give you all the facts. I can give you all the paperwork, everything that goes with it. But if you can't figure out what your, where your programming came from, I'm probably not going to be able to change it. Okay. So can I at least add some things to what it is that you're doing? You know, give you a few more things to think about as you're, you know, doing what it is that you're doing in your life. But Sadly, one of the things that happens most often is when tragedy strikes, then people make changes. And it's sad. I don't like to see it, but it happened to me and it actually changed my life for the better. But when you have someone telling you, right, when you just, when you broke it down and said, he's charging me 1.5% to cash a check and you see nothing wrong with that, it's going to take a lot to change your mind. But they got it from somebody. Yeah, they so did. So that's the other yeah. question I ask people to think about. Where did you get your teaching of money from? Mm-hmm. Who taught you how to plan for retirement? Mm-hmm. Who taught you how to save? Who taught you how to invest, right? I look on so many social media platforms and I love that it's become so much more of a conversation now. Left, right, top to bottom, there's been so much conversation on social media about money. At least that's starting. Now we got to go in and start talking about smart ways to do money, right? Yes. But at yes. least things are being discussed a little bit more. People are asking the questions. And I tell people just as simple as saving your $5 bills, right? A lot of people don't even touch cash. Especially now, you know, going through the pandemic where everything is digital at home, you know, but maybe that's something you can start, you know, keep all of your $5 bills. And at the end of the year, it's something you could do with the, the younger kids. I did it. I started doing it probably four or five years ago. I saw somebody post it. I was like, let me try it and see. Right. So I keep all my fives. Just getting in the habit of saving. But it goes. Go ahead. What is the $5 bill? for just because people need to create a habit so when you break your change and you go home and clear out your wallet or your 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 pockets just keep the fives and put them to the side and maybe yeah mm -hmm. somebody did it with tens but when i first heard it a few years ago it was with fives and you know what's really funny it took care of my god kids christmas gifts this year or two years ago so just like it just had it there Oh, okay. Okay. I never thought about that. I, Somebody I, just threw it out there. I'm just like, yeah, how do you start? Okay. 
Like just well, give something to start. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I started just throwing coins away. I started just coin, throwing coins away. And as a matter of fact, uh, I needed to go to the laundromat, which I do not do. But I was going to get quarters. Well, I completely forgot that my purse was so heavy because I had a whole bunch of coins in the bottom of my purse. Turned my purse over. I think I counted out close to $20 in coins. And I went, forgot. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely it's right. A that's a forming yeah, thing that's that a right. lot of people need. Yeah. It's, it goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. If we can sit down, right, get educated, got to get educated. We got to start talking about money more. We got to talk to, you know, educated people, not just, you know, Joe Schmoke, right? Something has to have something behind it, right? Some, some true backing. But one of the most important moves that you can make when it comes to money is what I said, your crystal clear goals. Mm -hmm. Because what recommendations you are given depends on your goals. If there is someone who truly wants to, let's say, retire at 50 versus 70, that's different planning. If I want to go to Las Vegas versus Alaska, my suitcases are going to look different. How long do I plan on being there? You know, which am I afraid of flying? Am I looking at it? Like, what is it about your particular goal? Once you have the goal, that's when the recommendations come in. So I, I and I, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. And I'm listening and I'm going, God, I'm so glad she's here. I love it. What I want to know, and this is for my own edification. Yes. What I want to know, my own edification and for the listeners. Yes. We have a culture of lack. Yes. We have a culture of lack and lacking. Yes. So when you talk about saving all the fives, mm -hmm. saving the coins, mm -hmm. making sure that you put something away, thinking about retirement, thinking about this. We have at least maybe three generations where every mother received a welfare check, a county mm -hmm. check. Mm -hmm. How do you get to those people and you say, uh, it's time for you to become financially fit? How do you make them understand that they can no longer allow generation after generation after generation to live this way. You cannot live paycheck to paycheck. You cannot live off the government. You cannot have this. This is not a living. This is purely an existence. How do you do that? So in, in California, in California, the most expensive place to live in the country, mm -hmm. and you still have people who are living paycheck to paycheck, and and still thinking, baby, this is it. But you're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Sometimes you don't get a check. How do you get people to shift, change that that way of thinking, the mindset, the paradigm shift? How do you do that? You've got to talk about that, Helena. You've got to talk about that because we are losing it. And the, the, the statement that you made at the beginning 
about the article in Forbes and in Black Enterprise. They have since changed that article. It's Mm -hmm. now between uh, 2033 to 2043. Zero. Since the pandemic, zero. And we're just about there in the Black community. We're just about there. And Black folks are just not getting it. They just aren't getting it. You have to... Um, I say one of the uh, the platforms that I, uh, I sit on, Black Economic Empowerment, is a, a group of five ladies that we put together at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, well, mid-pandemic um, and is when we realized that article. It, it became so important to get the word out and in as many forms as possible to, you know, find different ways to educate the youth, the adults, seniors, everybody, so at least they can slow down down to start realizing that there should be something different. But it also goes back to there's just so many who are so deeply programmed Mm -hmm. to expect nothing, don't see a need to change. I have people that I truly, truly love and deal with consistently that are content with the way things are. Oof. It's it is a lot of deep, deep program, deprogramming yes. that has to happen. It, it's really sad to say, Colette, I don't know that I would have made the change had I not taken the pay cut. Mm. I was living life the way that I was living it, thinking that that is what it was. I probably was making, I don't know, two, three thousand dollars a month and thought it was great. But it's about getting the awareness out to as many people as possible that there is more and making it so simple, like simple conversation around money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Most people are not having those conversations. Right, right. And so until we, you know, create as many platforms and, you know, events as possible to be able to discuss that, which is why I was so happy when, you know, you and I sat down and talked about this opportunity. Yeah, I could probably go once a week, right? There's something to talk about money-wise every single day, right? Every minute of every single day. But it's so very important to, you know, increase the, the awareness of people that there's still so many people I talk to that don't even know that that is where we're headed. And so we continue to do the things that we do the way that we choose to do. And we need to talk to the youth more. Parents need to become educated so they can create that in their homes. There need to be homes, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. a lot that we need to, you know, be able to change and, you know, do differently, do better, do smarter um, when it comes to money. And so that's one of my biggest hopes, you know, while we're doing this show over the next several, however long, is to make sure that we're giving people things to think about and practical ways to improve their financial situation. I tell everybody, one of the most important things that people need to be able to do are meet new people and read more books. Mm -hmm. Whether when I say book, that's the old school, maybe it's audible, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's, you know, something but you got to find people who think differently than you yes. in order to figure out, you know, different things. One of the reasons that I, and, and COVID has been really great in the sense that the virtual space 
became so much more open to talk about money because people were not talking about their money publicly. Mm. And, you know, we've been blessed in doing what it is that I do that I'm able to, you know, um, speak to so many people. I'm, I'm doing um, in a couple of weeks, I have a, um, a, a seminar coming up that's speaking about the new child tax credit, right? That mm-hmm. now everybody with a child is getting yeah, yeah. You know, one, two, three hundred dollars per month, right? right? Yeah. And what are we doing with that? Are we educated on doing different and being smarter with our money? People have to understand that there are different ways for you to do money. If you get a pay raise, who do you sit down and talk to? What are you supposed to do with that money? You're getting, I have a a friend of mine. She has four children. She's getting an extra thousand dollars a month, an extra thousand dollars a month. How are you saving that? Because if you were surviving before you got it, you don't need to go spend it. Yes. So are don't, you don't spend for it. your kids? Yes. Yeah. Are you putting more towards your future? Your yes. What are you doing? So people have to be educated. And if you're not, shame on you. But yes. that is why so many people, and I'm so grateful to be able to have this conversation with so many people in this a platform that you're, you know, allowing us to, to speak on. It's amazing because it is a necessity. It is a necessity to change the trajectory of our financial lives. And if we don't do anything, it's going to be, what did you say? 2033 to 43 is going to be 2020. That's right. Absolutely. It will be 2021, maybe 22 if you're lucky. Exactly. But if things don't change, and one of the things that people just don't get is that whatever the trajectory looks like, it impacts all of us. You ain't on this shit by yourself. Yep. It impacts all of us. So when one doesn't do, it's like the housing issue in California. Mm-hmm. That impacts everybody. That impacts everybody. Yes. So we've got to make a change. Yes. We have to make a change. So, you know what? I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you are here because our conversations are going to get way deep, (laughs) way deep. And you know, I'm excited about that. But before we get off, I wanted to make sure I let you know our sponsor for today, which I am very, very excited. So you guys, thank you so much for tuning in with me on my first show. Um, Our sponsor today is um, Lotus Designs. Um, The owner and CEO is Tanya Griffin, and she's been serving the greater Los Angeles area for more than 20 years. This woman, minority-owned, licensed, and insured company specializes in both bathroom and kitchen remodels. And I can attest to the great work because my brand newly remodeled kitchen has gotten a lot of rave reviews. So I know they do extremely great work. Um, They are also available for virtual consultations in areas outside of Los Angeles. And the team can be reached at 310-370-0502. And remember, awaken your space with Lotus Designs. They are where your dreams become realities. Wow, that's great. Lotus Designs in LA. Wonderful, wonderful. Great, great, great. So give out your information. Let people know how they can contact you because this is powerful information and I'm so glad you're here. Powerful information. So give out your information. Let the listening audience know how they can contact you. 
Thank you. You can contact me on all of the social media platforms, Helena Conley, um, Helena J. Conley. And my Instagram is one of my most active, Helena J313. LinkedIn is Helena Conley, Facebook, Helena Conley. Um, and then I also have a website, www.money dash educator.com um my contact information i love to hear from people 213-441-4646 again 213-441-4646 and then also email hjconley313 at gmail hjconley313 at gmail I am so grateful for this opportunity again, Colette, and I look forward to being here with you every second and fourth Tuesday and bring lots more guests to the table for us. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. I cannot wait till you get back. We've got lots to talk about. So thank you, Helena. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the ITRN family. And I tell you, you are going to be dropping some real gems. Thank you so much. And thank Thank you all for joining us. Smart Money Moves right here on the Intentional Talk Radio Network. And remember, you can find Helena, Smart Money Moves with Helena on all of the podcast platforms. Have a good night, folks. And now it is time for In The Mix, Conversations with Colette and Corliss. We've got a great guest for you this afternoon. We've got a wonderful guest from Canada. She is Sandy Daly. She has the Chronicles, and she's going to talk to us about the Chronicles. And one of the things that I am so excited, well, I shouldn't say I'm excited, but what I will say is I can't wait to talk to her about, what is it called? Whose vagina is it anyway? Who's the- <laughs> wow. Whose vagina is wow. it really? Wow. Yeah. That's Sandy Davis. She's going to be talking to us about her work and what she does. And what, oh boy, Sandy. Huh?